0: welcome to the teaching ministry of the cause church we pray you will be encouraged challenged and blessed as you listen to the word of god
1: we've been in a series for the past month called jesus over everything jesus over everything studying the book of colossians which Talks about focuses on the power, the authority, the majesty, the supremacy, the sovereignty, the awesomeness of King Jesus. 1130, you got to help me preach. This is the quietest service of all four, and I'm having no more of it, all right? You're going to help me preach. You better amen at sometimes, or this is going to get real long and painful for all of us, including myself. So, Colossians talks about who Christ is, and today we're going to read and study Colossians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 4. If you need a Bible, by the way, we'd love to give you one. Come up to the front afterwards, and we'll do that. In fact, why don't you go ahead and stand up to your feet for a minute, uh, as we've been doing the last few weeks, and to honor the, the, the Word of God, to give honor to the Word of God. Let me pray, you can, as I read the word, you can say amen, that's all right, okay? Uh, But let me pray first. Father, we thank you for your love, your grace. Thank you for bringing us here today. Lord, there's nothing like your word. It's powerful, changes our lives. When we hear it, receive it by faith and then obey. We wanna be men and women who have ears to hear hearts to receive this morning. So speak to us and encourage us today. If you agree with that, come on church, say amen. 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 Masters, it says Colossians 4. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves, verses 2 to to, uh, 6, by the way, are what we're going to focus on. Devote yourselves to prayer. With an alert mind and a thankful heart, pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains. Pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Tychicus will give you a full report about how I am getting along. He is a beloved brother and a faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we are doing and to encourage you. I am also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Aristarchus. Tychicus, Aristarchus, those are fun to say. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, the one we call Justice, also sends his greetings. These are the only Jewish believers among my co workers. They are working with me here for the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they have been. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship, And a servant of Christ Jesus sends you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Herapolis. Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings, and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. After you have read this letter, pass it on to the church at Laodicea so they can read it too, and you should read the letter I wrote to them. And say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here is my greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. Before you sit down, tell somebody next to you, say, hey, I feel led to tell you that you look good and you smell good, too. Come on, and then you can be seated. You look good and you smell good, too, and then you can be seated. Last week, we focused on Colossians chapter 3, and my brother, Pastor Josh, preached a great message. If you are here, you heard it called Live the Jesus Life, Live the Jesus Life, and In chapter three, Paul begins to describe how Christians, Jesus followers, believers should live. Talks about taking off our old sinful nature and putting on our new Christ-like nature. And then he begins to talk a little bit about what that looks like in our marriages, in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces. And then he flows into verses two through six, which is what I wanna focus on from chapter four which describes our responsibilities as believers towards those who are not yet believers, towards those who do not know the Lord, who don't know that Jesus is over everything. And so the title of my message today isn't very creative, but it's all I got, Reaching Everyone for Jesus. I wanna talk to you for a few minutes about reaching everyone for Jesus. Last Saturday, at one o'clock, we hosted a celebration of life service for uh, my neighbor and my friend, Brian. I met Brian five years ago when we moved into our new neighborhood and um, and got to know him a little bit. And Brian was, he was kind, he was funny, he was fun to be around, had a great sense of humor. He was smart, he was he was extremely generous, really, a really, really good guy, but I also kind of, found out early on, you know, just in talking to him that he didn't know the Lord. So I started praying for, for Brian. About six months ago, Brian was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. He was a healthy, strong guy, uh, but he, he got cancer and just started to devastate his body, started going through treatment. So I, we were praying that God would heal him. And, um, and Brian, Brian passed, passed on. About the same time that Brian was diagnosed with cancer, right around the same time, one of Brian's childhood friends that he met when he was 16 years old, a guy named Doug, who was a Christian, uh, Doug started a Bible study in Brian's house, and they started studying the Gospel of John together. And Brian invited me to it, actually. there's Every single week, they were meeting. Two months ago, Doug led Brian to Christ, prayed a prayer with them, and Doug said that Brian was so touched and was crying, and. And Doug said, and Doug's wife said that after that, whenever they were with Brian, he would he would just talk often, kind of to himself, really, kind of under his breath about how much peace he had. And uh, I'm so I was so thankful to hear that. i was so thankful that Brian came to the to the Lord and that he is in heaven. He's more alive now than he's ever been, that I'm gonna get to see him again and spend eternity in heaven with him. And I was thankful that God used me in in some way and Doug and other neighbors and other friends throughout Brian's 59 years of life to plant seeds and talk to him about the Lord and, and water those seeds. Because friends, there is nothing more important in life than knowing the Lord and helping others know him. There's just, if you, can, if you think you know something else, then come tell me, but I can't think of anything else. That's what life is about. Jesus said in Matthew 28, which we often call the Great Commission, after he had been crucified and resurrected, and then he appeared to his disciples and continued to teach them. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me, believe in me and obey my words, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Listen, our vision statement, I know this is a unique service because we tend to get a lot of people that are kind of visiting or newer to the church. The vision statement of the cause church is real people, completely in love with God, unconditionally loving people, passionately serving Him, fully committed to bringing others to Jesus. My dad added that last statement, fully committed to bringing others to Jesus, about five years ago. And, and that statement defines the life of our church, the direction that we are moving. Friends, we are not an inward-focused church. It's not, bless God, it's us four and no more, praise the Lord. No, 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 no. If you want a church like that, go somewhere else. We are an outward-focused church. As long as there is one person in Southern California who doesn't know the Lord, the church doors will remain open forever. They are not closing. We ain't shutting down. We're not backing up. Come on, we are moving forward. We declare often, Southern California shall be saved. I don't know if you've thought about that. That is quite a bold statement, friends. Three million plus people in Orange County alone. Ten million plus people in Los Angeles County. And God wants to use our church and the tens of thousands of other churches in Southern California to, to see everybody come into his kingdom. The Bible says, you know, that God is so patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting all to come to him. You think why? I think sometimes, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Because he said, first, the good news must be preached in all of the world. And he's patient, he's just giving as much time as he can to give as many people as possible to come, to know him, to come into relationship with him. And so, I like to say, like Reinhard Bonnke, the great German evangelist said in his great German accent, hell empty, heaven full, come on. We are to depopulate hell and populate heaven. That's my Reinhard Bonnke accent. It's not very good, but I love that. Hell empty and heaven full. Since Jesus is over everything, we must do everything we can to reach as many as we can for Him. Can somebody say Amen? Yeah. And so God has placed people in your life and in my life—family members, co-workers, friends, neighbors, loved ones, Starbucks baristas, or wherever you go, friends, strangers. And it's our job to reach Him. This message today is not about bring somebody to church with you next Sunday. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about wherever you live and wherever you go, you take Jesus with you. In fact, I want you right now in your mind, and I want you to hold this in your mind for the next few minutes during this message. I want you to think about somebody you know or the people that you know that don't know the Lord. I want you to think about them as you hear this message. Because I want God, through the Holy Spirit, to, to just just smash something into your heart, plant something in your heart, a burning desire to see them come to know him like never before. Because they're lost, they're separated from him, they're missing out on the abundant and eternal life that God has for them. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is, is hell and destruction. Friends, they are eternally separated from God if they don't know the Lord, and it is never too late. It's never too late. Part of God's purpose for your life is to use you to reach unbelievers with his love. It is one of the greatest joys you'll ever experience in your life is seeing somebody come to Christ and you had a part to play in it, it's awesome. If you never had that before, you will, you will. When I was about 10 years old, our family started going up to uh, Montana every summer, Southwest Montana, God's country they call it. It's beautiful up there, Livingston just outside of Yellowstone National Park, and my mom's parents, Grandpa Roy and Grandma Marge, bought a summer house up there, and I love Montana. I'd go up there every summer into my early 20s and spend weeks, sometimes I spent months up there. When I uh, was about my mid-teenage years, when I kind of, the Lord really got a hold of my life, my Grandpa Roy's mother, who was my great grandmother, Mimi. She was a character, I got to know her. She was eccentric, she was funny, she was smart, interesting. But Mimi didn't know the Lord. And Mimi had, she had been really hurt by judgmental and critical Christians. Livingston is a small town. It was like 3,500 people or something. So everybody knows everybody's business. Come on. On the radio there, it's like so-and-so got in trouble and so-and-so stole somebody's cow and stuff like that. So everybody knew everybody. So when Mimi occasionally would pop into church, she felt judged and criticized by you know everybody else. So she didn't wanna to go to church. And to add to, to that, her mom, she was adopted, but her mom, who did go to church, was very, very abusive towards her. So she had a really distorted view of who God is. And so I started praying for her, and I started talking to her about the Lord. He was like 16 years old. I don't remember what I said, but I, was, I wanted her to, to know Jesus. And I know my mom did, my Aunt Sally, and, and many others. And I started praying for I prayed for Mimi for over 20 years. Every day, every night, I'd pray for Mimi. Finally, when Mimi was 102 years old, Living off of chocolate Twizzlers. <laughs> that was like what she ate all the time. Uh, apparently that's a key to longevity, long life. Eat Chocolate Twizzlers, I don't know. She's 102. My mom and my mom's sister, Sally, s- witnessing her about the Lord. Mimi confessed Jesus as her Lord and Savior. 102. Come on, somebody. My mom had prayed. I prayed for her for two decades. My mom had prayed for her for four decades or more. Friends, it is never too late. It is never too late. In fact, I sorry, I was supposed to give you, did I give you my points yet? That's my first point is pray hard, pray persistently. Three essential responsibilities to reach everyone for Jesus. Number one is pray persistently or pray hard. Pray hard. You're a Christian today, friends, because somebody was praying for you. Somebody prayed you into the kingdom of God. Somebody to pray hard. That's our job. That's where everything starts. I was so proud of Pastor Junior and Joe Valenzuela and Pastor Chris and the men's leadership team yesterday morning, 8.30 a.m. We had a men's prayer breakfast and 80 guys showed up. 80 men showed up. Not just eat breakfast burritos, and those were very, very good, but showed up to, to pray for our church, pray for their families, pray for our youth camp. When the men of any church start to pray and seek God, watch out. The ladies are always praying. But when men become men of prayer, anything can happen. By the way, I want to encourage you this week. Tomorrow morning, we're sending like 107 junior high and high school students to youth camp for a week. 110? The number keeps growing every, every minute. 110. Pastor Junior and Sandy will be there. Chris and Ez Costello, our leadership team. Come on. They need extra prayer. 110 teenagers, five days, right? Junior high and high school students. My own daughter's going. Oh, Jesus, help me. She's turned 13. (sighs) Pastor Judy, would you come up? Would you lead us? Come on, let's pray right now. Stretch your hands, actually. Chris and Ez, stand up. Pastor Junior and Sandy, would you guys stand up? Stretch your hands towards them. The theme is supernatural. Let's pray for God to move powerfully this week at camp.
0: Father God, we thank you so much for who you are, God. And we thank you so much for the good plans and purposes that you have for the youth and for this camp, Father God. We pray that every single youth will feel loved by you, will feel touched by you, will have a real true encounter with you, Jesus. We pray for the leaders. We pray strength and energy, God, to keep up with these youth. We pray that you will download your thoughts, your words through these leaders over these youth, God, that every youth that will go to this camp will walk out, come out the other side, new, changed, uh, just knowing who you are, have a purpose, know their purpose very clearly. We pray against any kind of um, bondage, God, that these kids are being held against, Father God, we pray, Lord, that uh, depression will fall off, anxiety will fall off, the worries of the world will fall off of them, confusion will fall off of them, that they know and they have a very clear sense of who they are in you, Jesus. Their identity is in you, and let that take hold and let that be firm in every way. And we thank you, God. We thank you for this opportunity for them to come together as as a, a church family, really, God, to lift up the praise to you worship to you amen. bring glory to you with their lives we pray this all in the name of jesus amen
1: amen amen amen, amen. thanks pastor judy pray hard pray hard in August, by the way, we're gonna have 21 days of prayer and fasting, and, and a major focus of that is praying for those who don't know the Lord. In, in these verses, I'll, I'll give this to you real quick. These are sub points, but kind of four prayer points that Paul mentions about how to pray persistently or pray hard for unbelievers, and they apply to just your prayer life in general, but number one is pray strategically. Paul says, with an alert mind. I think for people who don't know the Lord, pray daily and by name for them. Billy Graham said, when we pray urgently and faithfully by name for lost people we truly care about, asking God to reach them, God works, often in unique and unexpected ways to open hearts to himself. That is so true. Friends, by the way, if you know why a person isn't a christian sometimes you talk to people and they'll give you a reason then start praying for that and praying against whatever that issue might be number two is pray thankfully god i thank you that my neighbor nick is going to come to know you i thank you that he's i thank you in advance that he's going to come to know you all of our prayers ought ought to be saturated with thankfulness number three is pray for opportunity Paul says in, in New King James, verse 3, he says, pray that God would open to us a door, that, that God would give us an opportunity. So pray for an opportunity. You know what I found in my own life, and, and you know, as I'm preparing this message, I think right, I gotta practice what I preach. I need to start praying for this again. When I pray for an opportunity, specifically for people that don't know the Lord, God gives me an opportunity. You know why? It's because I'm looking for an opportunity. I'm more sensitive to it. Friends, pray for an opportunity, and God will give it to you. Number four is this, pray for receptivity. Paul says that we would proclaim this message clearly. Paul says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. This is the spiritual battle. This is the primary spiritual battle, friends, is right here. You see, Paul says there's three things. People who don't know the Lord, they're spiritually blinded. Why do you have to pray so hard for people to get saved? It's because Satan doesn't want them to get saved. He's trying to bring as many people to hell with him as possible. And so you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and you pray, and when you think you can't pray anymore, you keep on praying. Pastor Sherry's used the example, it's like a jackhammer pounding, 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 and you don't know when it's gonna crack or break, friends. And so you fight, you fight, Sometimes, you know, you'll talk to people and they're, they don't want to have anything to, to do with Jesus. And so you can back off. But listen, I think everybody's closer to the kingdom of God than, than they, they will even admit. But most people aren't that way, friends. Most people are open. Most people are open to the Lord. Here we go. Number two, I got I to gotta keep going here. The second, first essential responsibility we have to reach everyone for Jesus, pray passionately, pray hard. Number two is live wisely. Live wisely, Paul says, among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Amplified version says, behave yourselves wisely, living prudently and with discretion in your relations with those of the outside world, the non-Christians, making the very most of the time and seizing, buying up the opportunity. Listen, part of that, part of living wisely is that our lives should demonstrate Christ our words and our actions and our lives, people should see Jesus in me. Colossians, we read, Christ in me, the hope of glory. The primary mark of any Christian is love. And so that's what Colossians 3 is about. That's what Pastor Josh preached about. Live the Jesus way, put on Christ. But what Paul is actually referencing here in verse five, he's really talking about using our time wisely. New King James and other translations say walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Another translation says use your time in the best way that you can. You can tell what's most important to a person by looking at their checkbook. If you're under 30 years old, you don't even know what a checkbook is, all right? But By looking at how people spend their money and by looking at their calendar and how they spend their time. By the way, time is, is actually your most precious resource. It's far more important than money because you can always get more money, but you can't get more time. You only have a certain amount of time allotted in this life. You know, As a, as a pastor, I've, I've had co- lots of conversations with people that are near death in their final days on, on their deathbed. I've yet to hear one person say something like this. Man, I really wish I would have just worked harder, worked more, made more money, to leave in my bank account for somebody else to use. Nobody says that, nobody that I've ever talked to. You know what I have heard? I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have spent more time doing things that are important. Because you can't create time, you can't borrow time, you can't save time, you can't extend time, you can only use time. Jeff Bezos might have $177 billion more than you and I do, but guess what? You have exactly the same amount of time that he has, 24 hours in a day, 168 hours every week. And friends, you won't be able to manage anything in your life effectively if you can't manage your time because your time is your life. Your time is your life. My dad would often teach this. He would talk about how God has entrusted to all of us. He has made us managers, or the Bible word is stewards, over three things. And that God expects us, he expects us to maximize these things with, to the best of our ability for his glory. That's what Matthew, I think it's Matthew 25, the parable of the talents and other parables that Jesus tells, that's exactly what it's about. And there's three things, friends. Number one, number one is your talents. It's your natural gifts and your natural abilities as well as the spiritual gifts and abilities that God gives you. You ought to use those for your glory. Colossians 3 says two different verses, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. The second one is your treasure which my wife just preached a message about that and talked about using our finances and our resources to honor God, and the third is your time. The third is your time because one of Satan's strategies against you is to get you so busy doing unimportant things that you don't have time for the important things in life. Maybe you've heard it said before that some people are so busy making a living that they forget to make a life. (laughs) Jesus says, what does it profit a man if he gains a whole world but loses his soul? I think to make it maybe even a little bit more practical, what does it profit a man, specifically men, a husband, a father, if he makes all kinds of money but never spends time with his wife or his kids? The old preacher says, that the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Some of us are so busy and we're so distracted that we don't, we forget what's really important. Paul himself tells you exactly what you should be doing with your time in Acts 20, 24. He says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I pray that that would burn in your hearts, friends. That burns in my heart. My life is a, is is a waste if I'm not using it for for Jesus and for his glory to do what he's called me to do, tell others about his love. God wants to use you, but make sure that you're investing your time in the most important things. Here's a few self-reflection questions. Are you guys okay? (laughs) All right, I'm almost done. Here we go, a few questions. How much of what I'm spending my time on is gonna count five years from now? How much of what I'm doing with my life right now is gonna count in eternity? How am I eternally impacting others with God's love? Who has God placed in my life that needs to know him? How can God use me to reach them? Here's the third and the last point, the third essential responsibility that we have to reach everyone for Jesus. Number three is speak graciously, speak graciously. Graciously, Look at the person next to you and say, hey, don't be a jerk face. Come on, tell him, don't be a jerk face. Colossians 3, 6 says, let your, com- that's a, Uncle Jim, by the way, he called people jerk faces. Don't, don't let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Different translation says, let every word you speak be drenched with grace and tempered with truth and clarity, for then you will be prepared to give a respectful answer to anyone who asks about your faith. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 15, speak the truth in love. If you're gonna speak graciously, Christians, Jesus followers, speak the truth, but speak it in love. Jesus is perfect truth, John 14, 6. And he is also perfect love, 1 John 4, 8. Listen, truth without love does not lead people to Jesus. Truth without love does not reach people for the Lord. Maybe you've met somebody, nobody in here, so don't be looking around, and they know the Bible. They know the Word of God. They know the truth, and they can quote Scripture left, right, upside down, from here to the cows come home, but they're the meanest people you've ever met. Come on, they're mean. As my grandpa Roy said, they meaner than a snake. And there is no love of Jesus in them. There's this funny scene from this movie where this girl, this teenage girl, is trying to, witness to her friend who doesn't know the Lord and she gets real mad at her and her friend walks away and she grabs her Bible and throws it at her friend who doesn't know the Lord and hits her in the back of the head and then she yells at her, I am full of the love of Christ. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Some people are like that. They know the truth but there's no love. That's not going to reach the world. By the way, love without truth doesn't reach people either. And our culture, and I'm not going to go there today, but our culture is filled with things. Ideologies, philosophies, movements. And they sound loving on the surface, but there is no biblical truth in them whatsoever. And they're not leading people to the Lord. They're leading people away from him. Too many Christians are adopting garbage like that too. You better watch, watch yourself. Paul says, watch your life and your doctrine closely. In other words, you better know what the truth of the Word of God says. It's good to be loving, but you need to know the truth. And Jesus alone is the truth. And if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it ain't true. I think that's good preaching. Amen. All right. I'm amen myself. God's ways are always better. His ways are right, and they're true, and they're always better. Are your words gracious? Are they full of truth and love to those who don't know the Lord? Ask yourself these questions, and I'm going to close. Ask yourself these questions. Do I tell others about what Jesus has done in my life, who he is? Or am I afraid of what they'll think of me? Friends, that's a good question. Because you don't just communicate the love of God with your words, I'm sorry, with your, with your life. That is really important, but you also do it with your words. And it's your job, it's your job to do that to share God's love. Am I respectful and patient towards people when talking to them about the Lord, or am I argumentative and defensive? Man, I struggle with that one. (laughs) Help me, Lord. I've had had more than one conversation where I've gotten argumentative and defensive. That doesn't help reach people for the Lord. Here's a good one. Am I kind to others on social media? Hello. All right. (laughs) I know some of y'all aren't because I've seen some of the nasty stuff that you say. Let the Holy Spirit convict you. Would non-Christians describe me as kind? (laughs) Do I respond politely and lovingly to those who disagree with me or do I react quickly and angrily? Do I pray before I reply? I told you a few minutes ago that uh, I did my friend Brian's Celebration of Life last Saturday. Well, a few days later, I got the most unbelievable, the meanest email I've ever got in my life in 20 years of ministry. And I get a lot of mean emails like every week. And those are just from Chris Costello, all right? No, I'm just kidding. By the way, if you ever wanna send me a mean email, you're welcome to do that and share your thoughts. My email is joshuar at thecause.cc. In fact, if you're gonna send me one, send it it three or four or five times just to make sure that I get it. I'll respond right away. (laughs) Anyways, I got this email from this guy who had been at the Celebration of Life Service and he called me names in there that I had never heard before. And accused me of things that nobody's ever accused me of. It was unbelievable. Things I'd never repeat anywhere else, especially in church. And um, obviously was you know, just hurting, and in pain. He even made reference to something in there and I knew immediately where this was coming. I was just getting a projection. It was demonic, honestly. He didn't know the Lord. Friends, by the way, don't expect unbelievers to act like Christians. They don't know Jesus. Why are you getting mad at them? Pray for them. Love them. Let the Holy Spirit convict them. It's, it is foolish, it is a waste of time for you to get angry at those things. To, if you're getting angry at the person, that's a waste of time. You can get angry at the spirit behind it and pray against it. They don't know the Lord, you can't expect them to act like Christians. Christians have a hard enough time acting like Christians. Myself included. Anyway, so, he sent this to me and I showed Jenny, I was like, you gotta see this. This guy had enough courage to put his first and last name in it to his credit. If you're ever going to send me a mean email, you better put your name in there. If you don't, you're a coward. Yeah. All right, Jesus, help me. I know I'm, I'm still, he's still working on me, but don't send me an email like that and blast me over something. You don't even put your name to it, you chicken. Anyways, all right. Sorry, Jesus. Pray for me. Pray for your pastor. Anyway, so I, I thought about it. I thought about a lot of things that I could say. <laughs> Some of them. I wouldn't repeat in church, but I took some time, honestly, all kidding, aside, I took some time to think and pray about it. By the way, sometimes the best response is no response. (laughs) Jesus did that. He didn't respond to every accusation, all the lies, lie after lie, he didn't even respond. He just kept his mouth closed. Proverbs talks about that too. But I I thought and prayed about it, and I, I, I did reply to him. This is what I said. I said, thanks for taking time to share your honest thoughts via email. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) They were honest. Thanks for taking time to share your honest thoughts via email. You have some misperceptions about churches and pastors, including myself, as well as a misunderstanding of what I communicated about the love of Christ and the hope of heaven. I'm sorry for any hurt and pain you've experienced from pastors. I'm praying for you. Friends, I am praying for this guy. I was telling you pray for unbelievers, I have a hit list. I call it a prayer hit list. This guy, first and last name, is on my hit list now. And whether he likes it or not, he's getting prayed for by name every day until I know that he's saved. I pray that he steps foot in this church so I could give him a good knuckle sandwich in Jesus' name. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Pray that he comes to know the Lord. We must, we must do our best to speak graciously to, to those who don't know the Lord. Since Jesus is over everything, we must do everything we can to reach everyone for him. Who has he placed in your life, friends, that you're called to reach? And my challenge to you this week, and not just this week, but for your life, pray persistently every day by name for people who don't know the Lord. Make time to reach out to them. And then look, look for an opportunity And when God gives you an opportunity, step out in faith, step out in love, step out in courage and share with them, amen? Amen, would you stand to your feet? I wanna pray for you and then we're gonna sing a song and then I'll come up and wrap up. I wanna pray for you just in response to the message. If you want, you can just lift your hands. Lord, we just come, stand in your presence. As a church family, first and foremost, God just declaring that this is a house of salvation. Lord, where anybody and everybody can come and meet you, come into relationship with you. God, we pray that more than ever before in the coming days, weeks, months, years, decades, God, that we would reach more people for you than we've ever reached with your love. And God, I pray individually in each one of our lives, wherever we go, and whatever our sphere of influence is, that we would represent you well, Jesus. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We put on Christ. Love, tender mercies, kindness, God, through the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, that in our words and our actions that people would see Jesus, fill us with your love, God. let us see people how you see them, people that maybe we wouldn't want to want to have anything to do with that we've have steered clear from, let our hearts break over them. let us see them how you see them God and use us in their lives. We pray in fact, just right now I want you to say, you don't need to be loud, but just say whatever names you're thinking of. Pray for them. Just say, mention their name right now. God, we pray for our friends, family members. I can think of people in my life, God, I think of Nick, my neighbor. God, I'm praying, Lord, we pray that they would come to know you, that their eyes would be open, their hearts would be open to you, Jesus, that you would convict them of their sin and draw them to Christ. And God, use us to plant seeds, water water the seeds, in whatever way you choose to, for your glory. Let us live our life in a way, Lord, that makes a difference for eternity, to focus on what's important. We love you so much. Help us to love people, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen,
0: amen. Thanks for listening to this message from The Cause Church. For more information about The Cause or for further resources, visit our website, thecause.cc or call 714-255-0930.